Hi, welcome to this episode. Before I begin, I want to share with you an official invitation to join my new upcoming course called Gathering the Gods, which begins on May 7th. In this course, I will go into the primary texts that tell us about Old Norse religion and specifically the deities that were worshipped and spoken about by pagans in Viking Age Scandinavia. In this first installment of the course, I'll be covering the gods Thor, Odin, and Freya. This course will consist of audio-recorded lectures and readings that you can do on your own time. There will also be a section in the course that you can register for called Live and Guided, and this section will include live Zoom calls a week after each unit is delivered so that you can meet with me and others to discuss aspects of the texts and the mythology that you find particularly interesting or confusing. You can find the link for more information and the sales page in the show notes. I hope that you'll join me there. Please enjoy the episode. Welcome to Fair Folk. I'm Danica Boyce. This episode is an almanac for May 2023. This episode focuses mainly on May Day customs by all the different names that holiday holds across Europe. The month of May doesn't have many other celebrations connected with it, but this celebration at the end of April, the beginning of May, is one that I think is relevant through the whole month, especially considering the variety of different climates that we all live in. May 1st, traditionally, heralds the beginning of summer. And the beginning of summer is marked in many of the traditions that we see by the blossoming of flowers and the growth of leaves. The holiday itself, to me, speaks of appreciation and gratitude for the abundance that nature provides to us all around and all through history. It reminds us that we are members of a community that lives in and among a supernatural and truly real physical material forest full of food. The blossoms on the trees are the precursor of fruits. They are the sure sign that nourishment and fertility is to come. Summer in traditional cultures and in real material fact represents bounty and copious life force. May is where we begin to meet the bounty of summer in its symbolic elements. And we tend to gather them in, in many of our traditions, to share them with others in ritual contexts that precede even what we now consider to be pagan traditions. There is so much to say about this holiday, and I'm going to try to keep it as concise as possible while including some examples so that you have 
illustration that you can use to inspire your own connection to this season and rituals. In England, this holiday is commonly called May Day, but in Gaelic-speaking areas, it's known as Beltane, and in Germanic areas, it might be called Valborg or Valpurgis. The main features of this holiday are the bearing and collection of flowers and greenery in processions, joyful singing and dancing, loud music-making, and the erection of maypoles, as well as the burning of big bonfires and romantic connection and sex. May 1st, or the eve of May 1st, which is when it tends to be celebrated, is a giddy celebration of the precious abundance that we have on this planet and the way that it is reborn marvelously and miraculously every year from the earth under the gaze of the springtime, early summer sun. In ancient Gaelic and Germanic calendars, May 1st, or so, depending on the moon, marks the beginning of summer. And in the old Icelandic calendar, this month spanned modern April and May and was called Harpa, possibly after a goddess, but we don't know anything about that goddess now. The first day of that month was called Sumerdagarin Fjersti, the first day of summer. You'll note that this holiday doesn't fall on the equinox, but tends to fall about a moon cycle afterwards, just as Halloween does, or Samhain, in the autumn. And this is because the signs of summer, or the signs of winter in these transitional moments, tend to show up not at the exact halfway point between solstices, but about a month afterwards, in most places of moderate climates. This holiday marks all of the ritual activity that surrounds bringing one's livestock, this may be cattle, sheep, goats, what have you, out to pasture again in the summertime. And the counterpart in the autumn at the exact opposite end of the year is bringing the cattle in again, or the sheep, or the goats. And this is a time of year when, because it's transitional, much magic, ritual, and invocation of all the beings and gods you have on hand is necessary in order to create a smooth transition between living spaces and a safe, protected transition for the animals, which are one of the greatest, most valuable possessions a family might have. The bonfire customs that are celebrated in Celtic and Germanic and other areas of Europe are directly connected to this pastoral cycle of bringing the animals out to pasture, out to the green fields or mountains or hills where they can graze on fresh growing food and bringing them home again in the fall. Beltane and Samhain, in the Gaelic terms, are both bonfire festivals. And what's kind of interesting about bonfires that I learned several years ago, but I never stopped being fascinated by, is the origin of the word bonfire. It means bone fire. That is because many of the bones that remain from winter's harvests that are now dried 
would be burned in the springtime and in the fall. And it's interesting that animal remains are cleansed from human habitations in order to bless and restore the life of living animals. The cyclical nature of the year feels very much present in that bonfire as well. And bonfires in Gaelic areas, traditionally, and I would assume further abroad than that, bonfires at this time of year would be kindled using friction alone. In Scotland, this was known as need fire. And though the bonfire customs of Germany and Scandinavia also originated in pasturing traditions, they are now more strongly associated with witchcraft. And historically, as you might guess, these fires were kindled by pagans. And then later, because of their association with paganism, came to be known as fires kindled to protect from witches who were expected to be more active on that night, Valpurgis Eve. Many of the folklore traditions surrounding this date are about protection and banishing otherworldly forces like fairies or demons or witches, as I mentioned. But the underlying reason for this, if that feels a bit negative, is simply because it's a moment of huge spiritual presence and transition. It's a powerful moment and a time when one's resources needed to be gathered in, and I believe celebrated. Though the harvest is still some ways off in many northern areas, the presence of greenery and flowers is a celebration in advance that, through the logic of much folk magic, could be understood to bring about the abundance that it represents, as long as it is properly celebrated and immersed in. One of the primary visual examples you might have seen of May Day festivities are related to this notion of bringing in the May, which is an expression from England for the activities of May Day. There are references in the Middle Ages all over England, Scotland, and Ireland to customs called bringing in the May or Maying or bringing the summer in. These names refer to the fresh flowers and green growth that the young people would fetch from the forests and hills, often before dawn on the morning of Beltane or May Day. These maying parties often involved music, especially the banging of drums, the playing of bagpipes, and the blowing of horns, traditionally belonging to cows or sheep, but also later in Scandinavia made out of birch bark. But really anything that made a lot of noise would serve this occasion. The top of the music and the noise making as at any celebration, but especially May 1st, there would always be plenty of singing. There is a huge abundance of songs related to May 1st. And I have, of course, created a playlist on Spotify full of them that I encourage you to visit as soon as you're done listening to this episode to get you in the mood for the month of May and the beginning of summertime. Many, many songs connected to the gathering of May 
remain in the folk tradition. And of course, they vary in age, but they all retain the core reference to that explosion of life that's now evident in all the hedges, the hills, the woods, and the wild places. Delicate petals of cheerful flowers speckled with fresh dew, leaves reaching up joyfully towards the sun that kisses them, just as it does the face of every person exiting the house after a long, cold winter. These references to gathering maybows in folklore definitely suggest to me the practice of wild harvesting. You might also notice that the word may in these descriptions sometimes stands in for summer itself. So the month, the greenery, the flowers, and the season are all layered and equivalent in this idea of maying or gathering the may. In England, the most popular plant related to this holiday is the flowering hawthorn. Hawthorn is known as the fairy tree in England, Scotland, and Ireland, and it's often found near holy wells and other sacred places. In Cornwall, people would gather sycamore branches, and in Wales, it might be birch. In Ireland, yellow primrose blossoms were also gathered, and whatever you might find in whatever region that you're in at this time of year. These boughs and flowers were often used to decorate the church or the center of a town or village or the household. In Ireland, people would spread the flowers around the entrance to their homes. In England, Ireland, and Germany, and probably elsewhere, young men would leave may boughs and decorated may bushes and small may poles in the yard of a girl that they admired. So that if a girl was especially popular, reports said that she would wake up to find many offerings outside her home in the morning. You'll often see representations of a figure called the May Queen, especially in England at this time. And this would be a young woman dressed all in white, who is a personification of the month and the season of spring. The fact that she's associated with royalty strongly suggests an earlier pagan tradition of a feminine deity, probably of fertility or possibly the dawn, which would also explain the brilliance of her clothing, which may be related to sunlight. In Scandinavia, Germany, and Poland, it was pretty obvious that courtship and sexuality was a central focus of this holiday. But in England and Scotland, even though there was a lot of sexual suggestiveness in the songs and folklore of this holiday, it was somewhat underground for the last couple of centuries at least. And it tends to be mentioned in terms of what someone did that got them into trouble, what people weren't allowed to do, and regulations against different May Day festivities. In Scotland in particular, it's especially from these prohibitions that we learn about May gathering customs on Beltane. There are records of legal punishment inflicted on folks who gathered in a specific spot in Elgin Wood. One note says that 19 men and 11 women were, quote, punished for being in this wood from Saturday eve at 11 o'clock to 4 on Sunday. The fact that it was nighttime seems to suggest their activities needed to be done in private. A 1555 decree from Scottish Parliament stated that any woman or others about summer trees singing who perturbed the Queen's lieges as they passed through town, were to be punished harshly. I'll share a song by 
the queen of May Day songs, in my opinion, from the English folk scene, Lisa Knapp. She has an entire album of May songs that I highly recommend you check out that I adore called Till April is Dead, A Garland of May. This track is called Don't You Go A-Rushing, and its frame is a suggestion to young men, presumably, not to rush into romantic encounters with young women at this time of year, despite apparent social pressure to do so. And what I really love about this song in particular is a charming and fascinating riddle, or set of riddles, at the center, all of which are symbolic of life in its unformed and sort of primordial state, which echoes beautifully the sentiment of the very beginning of summer. The riddles presented are, he promised me a chicken without any bone. He promised me a cherry without any stone. He promised me a ring that has no rim. He promised me a babe with no squalling. And instead of telling you the answers to the riddles, I'll invite you to listen very closely to this track by Lisa Knapp. Don't you go a-rushing. Don't you go a-rushing, mate in May. Don't you go a-rushing, mate, I say. For if you go a-rushing, I sure to get you blushing. I'll steal your rushes away. Don't you go a-rushing, mate? 
gonna rush in your shorts to get your blush and they'll steal your brushes away When the chickens in the egg it has no I mentioned rituals of protection at this time of year, and I'll give you some examples of how folks undertook to spiritually insulate themselves against possible threats from otherworldly or supernatural forces. In Ireland, in some areas, if a rabbit was seen on Beltane near the cows, the rabbit would be killed since it was believed that it was a witch in disguise who had come to steal the profit from the milk by suckling the cow, having taken on the shape of a hare. One story from Ireland tells of how a man caught a hare suckling on his cow and sent his dogs to chase it. One dog got lucky and bit the hare before it disappeared through a hole in the wall of an elderly woman. When he knocked on the door and entered the house, instead of a hare, there was only the woman, and he noticed that she was bleeding in the exact same spot as the hare had been bitten. There were many ways that Irish folks imagined witches might steal the milk profit or the ability to produce butter from a house on Beltane specifically. This might include dragging an implement associated with keeping cows across one's property or borrowing any kind of dairy-associated implement from the house, but especially anything connected with dairy production or also with fire. People were on high alert. And there were several things that you might do, aside from watching out for witches and hares. But the most popular and widespread defense against witchcraft at Beltane was the use of rowan boughs, or mountain ash, you might call it. So in Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man on May Eve, people of all ages would go out to gather rowan boughs. Because this plant is particularly strongly connected with protection, and presumably might have been in flower at this time, though I've never been in these regions on May Day, so you might have to enlighten me on that fact. These rowan boughs were brought home to the house and hung around inside, sometimes over the door, or they might be tied with red thread to the horns and tails of cattle. Historian Ronald Hutton suggests that the red color of the rowan along with the string that was used to tie it in some places, might represent fire, connecting it to the Beltane fires, 
these bonfires were used to bless the cattle who were driven between them. In Cormac's glossary, a medieval text from Ireland, this was said to be done by Druids. You could say the Rowan, on one level, is a representative of the generosity of the forest being welcomed into our home. If that's not too much of a stretch, there are so many forest-related and tree-related festivities at this time, from the maypole to the boughs, and the relationship between plant fertility and human fertility that's all over in metaphors and songs and stories at this time. So maybe instead of just protecting us from a sense of wildness and chaos, these rituals also are symbolic of making peace with the wild aspects of ourselves, with our tendency to go out and gather from far reaches the things that we need to survive, and ultimately to find them there in the forest, the ultimate source of both wildness and nourishment and safety. Trees, more than any other plants, resemble humans quite closely in their uprightness and their spreading limbs. And plants that produce red berries, like the rowan tree, also contain red blood, like we do, and are therefore symbolic of robust growth and life and passion. Interestingly, relating to this connection to forests and wildness, stories and ballads of Robin Hood of the Green Wood, the folk hero who's known for stealing from the rich and giving to the poor and living in the woods with a band of merry men, are very popular in May Day celebrations in England. Robin Hood games and processions became popular in England in the 15th and 16th century relating to May Day, a subtext that isn't always drawn out of our depictions of Robin Hood, but that I think is important, is the fact that he was a folk hero partly because he defied the laws of the forest, and that literally is the wooded areas that were set aside following William the Conqueror's conquest of England that were set aside for hunting, only for royalty and nobility, and were taken from those who would pasture their animals there or hunt there, which was most of the population prior to that period of time. So Robin Hood was a symbol of the happy hunter-gatherer or shepherd who could safely live in the woods unfettered by loyalties to distant and controlling governments. He's a symbol of direct access to the generosity of nature to which we're all entitled. And maybe that's why people came to include Robin Hood plays and songs in their May Day celebrations in Scotland and England in order to thumb their nose against institutions that disapproved of partying and taking what you might desire from the land, indulging in excess and enjoying pleasure, which makes a parallel as well to the witches that are protected against at this time of year, which used to be central to the celebration in a way, if they are symbolic of past pagans. The fear that they might take the profit of someone's dairy, or steal the milk, or 
butter from someone's cow seem also to indicate a fear of the person who enjoys their physical life and takes what they need. There's some sort of interesting dynamic between the source of all abundance and goodness, which is the earth, and a direct connection to that that this holiday celebrates, and the desire to control, to protect, and to limit access to abundance or overindulgence. And both of these characteristics of humankind are valuable in balance. And I think what this holiday does is allow us to tip more into the indulgence end of things, to make sacred the end of a season of hardship and limitation imposed by nature. This is the time when nature opens its arms, per se, and allows you to enter the forest again in a comfortable and life-giving way. This is one of the many ballads sung about Robin Hood in England from tradition called Robin Hood and the Tanner. The song is sung by Jesse Ferguson, and it describes a tanner named Arthur Bland who goes into the forest to look at some red deer. And he encounters Robin Hood, who engages him in combat with a staff. Arthur basically subdues Robin Hood, who then welcomes him to be a member of his merry men in the forest. To me, it seems important or positive to think of how common people, tradespeople like a tanner and Robin Hood, who lives in the forest, might resolve conflicts that were begun by a scarcity of resources or a concern for poaching, which is what initiated their battle in this song in the first place. They might resolve their conflict and become friends, and as in some versions of this ballad, dance around an oak tree celebrating their new friendship and camaraderie. In Nottingham there lived a jolly tanner With a hay down, down and down, down His name it was Arthur Bland There was never a squire in Nottinghamshire Dare bid bold Arthur to stand And as he went forth on a summer's morning With a hay down, down and down, down in the forest of Marisher Wood To view the red deer that range he ran there There met he with bold Robin Hood As soon as bold Robin Hood did him espy With a hay down, 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 down He thought some sport he would make Therefore out of hand he bid him to stand and thus to him he spake. Why, what art thou, thou bold fellow, with a hay down, down, and down, down, that ranges so boldly here? In sooth, to be brief, thou look'st like a thief that's come to steal our king's deer. For I am a keeper in this forest With a hay down, down, and down, down The king put me in trust 
to look to his dear that range here and there therefore stay thee I must then Robin Hood he unbuckled his belt with a head down down and down down and laid down his bow so long he took up a staff of another oak graph that was both stiff and strong then knock for knock they lustily dealt with a head down down and down down that held for two hours and more till all the wood rang at every bang they plied their work so sore hold thy hand hold thy hand cried bold robin hood with a head down down and down down and let our quarrel fall for he we may thresh our bones into mesh and get no coin at all and in the forest of mary sherwood with a head down down and down down hereafter thou shalt be free got a mercy for not my freedom i bought i may thank my good staff and not thee got a mercy for not my freedom i bought i may thank my good staff and not thee in some regions of england and sweden particularly there was a strong may caroling tradition that took place on this night Villagers would go from house to house singing songs that usually contained requests for food and drink, sometimes ale and eggs, which are very much in season. This next song is a Swedish May carol that originated in these door-to-door visits, performed by the Swedish folk group Folk och Rakare. The first lines of the song go... Tonight, it's Valpurgis night. May is welcome, which is the refrain. And the forest wears a green hat. Summer is lovely for all of us. Here is Eggvisen, or the egg song. I natt så er det valborgsnatt, Mai er velkommen, og skogen den der grønner hatt. Sommeren er julig for oss alle. Mai er velkommen 
sommaren Han äter sill och surer kol Sommaren är ljuvlig för oss alla Nu hör vi mor på golvet gå Maj är välkommen Hon letar ägg i varje brå Sommaren är ljuvlig för oss alla Nu sätter vi maj i pigan säng Maj är välkommen Och akta dig väl för grannen sträng Sommaren är ljuvlig för oss alla Nästa år när vi kommer igen Maj är välkommen Så står den vacka med pigan säng Sommaren är ljuvlig för oss alla Vår spelman i Eglandram och Maj är välkommen För att han låter stråken gå Sommaren är ljuvlig för oss alla Nu har vi tre skorna skramla Maj är välkommen Before I finish by sharing my usual suggestions for how to integrate and use this folklore through the month of May, I'll turn to the iconic and central image of the Maypole, which plays a big part in May 1st traditions around the world, though you may have noticed that it has also migrated somewhat from the spring season to midsummer celebrations. The first reference to maypoles in the British Isles was from Wales between 1350 and 1400 in a poem that referred to a tall birch tree and to the festivity that took place around it. It seems to be a medieval invention, but definitely relates closely to May gathering customs that venerate plant life. The typical way that people use a maypole is to dance around it and sing and sometimes wrap long ribbons in a regular pattern that's produced by the weaving shapes of the dance. The maypole has often been equated in recent decades with a phallic symbol, but there's no real evidence for that historically necessarily being the case. It seems to have come from Germanic tradition and veneration of trees goes back far into pagan and even proto-Indo-European times in Germanic and European tradition. For example, the world tree Yggdrasil in Norse mythology, which forms the shape of the entire cosmos. 
So to sum up this month in general, what I think is important to focus on is the knowledge that nature is good and generous and bountiful without the need of us to intervene as humans, to make it so. There's a sense of spirits gathering around us to share and to protect at special, important, transitional times of the year. We can assume that celebrations of the return of light and plant life and summertime and the veneration of green and flowering, growing things go back to as far as humankind itself does. And before we were around to bring in the May, the sun and the earth did so, and they will again after we are gone. So here are some suggestions for how you might celebrate the start of summer, however it appears to you or whenever it appears to you in the region and culture that you live. Just as last month, I would encourage you to interact in some way with the life that is springing forth from the boughs of trees and plants at this time of year. Get intimate with flowers if you can. Smell them, touch them, feel them on your skin, bring them to friends, give them as gifts to people that you love, make them into flower crowns, bring them into your home, dip them in fresh water and sprinkle it on beings and places that you love. If you can go into a wooded area, and just notice all of the growth and aliveness that's happening. And imagine yourself as receiving that as part of your birthright as a being on this planet. Imagine the whole world as a forest that is constantly growing and being reborn and is full of goodness. That at this time of year, you can immerse yourself in, in perhaps a more erotic and indulgent way than you might otherwise do. Any practice involving fire would be a good way to focus your ritual at this time of year, especially a bonfire if that's possible. And as you are burning this fire and looking into it, call to mind the spirits, ancestors, gods, or other beings that you feel related to and with, and that you feel you draw support from to hold you in this transition between seasons and to thank them for being present and for being a part of such a glorious cycle. You could light two fires or even two candles and pass objects between them that you want to bless at this time of year, or maybe your own hands, or maybe your own self, if the space is large enough. If you make candles, you might even think about making a bonfire candle by embedding a bone or several in a candle in order to imbue it with the spirits of our animal ancestors and kin. Of course, I encourage you to listen to May songs, learn a May song if you can, even if it's just the chorus that you can repeat in a ritual, and sing those songs through the month and share them with others. And also, just remember to spend some time in relaxation, in the state of mind and body that reminds you that the world is a forest full of beautiful, renewing, reproducing life. And that no effort need be expended on your part 
for that moment in order to deserve and receive the abundance that's all around you. That might be the best possible expression of all for this holiday and a way to connect with our ancestors who knew the cycles of the earth better than we may do now and from whom we can learn a lot about reconnecting with that beautiful lineage. That's all I have to share for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share it on social media or with your friends or by email. I want to say thank you so much to the musicians whose music graced this episode. Please go to the show notes, check them out, and buy their music from the musicians. I have linked in the show notes where you can purchase music directly from them or as directly as possible. Thank you also to Sylvia Woods, whose song Forest March is the opening theme to Fair Folk. I wish you all the best this May and throughout the summer. I hope that you can feel the generous green forest all around you, metaphysically and physically, wherever you may find yourself. And if you're interested in my course, Gathering the Gods, you want to learn about the foundational texts that make up everything we know about Old Norse mythology and pagan religion of Scandinavia. Please check out the sales page, see if it feels resonant to you. You can email me at fairfolkcast at gmail.com with any questions you might have about how the course works or what it might contain. I think it's so important to get a sense of the lay of the land, especially with Norse mythology and with Scandinavian pagan tradition of what actually is known by historians and scholars, because there's so much chatter and noise about these subjects and so many opinions that it can be really grounding and empowering to just actually sit down with the facts that are there in plain form and be able to make your own decisions about how you might want to use them and what ways you might want to fill in the gaps or not as a creative person or a researcher, or a practicing pagan. So I welcome you to check that out. I am extremely excited for it. It feels really enlivening to think about connecting with these texts in a way that allows them to be shared and understood in much more grounded ways than I've seen in the past, especially in internet culture, to which we all, to some degree or another, belong. The link to Gathering the Gods sales page to learn about Thor, Odin, and Freya is in the show notes. Happy summer and welcome May. And I'll talk to you soon.